Father in heaven, thank you for this day and uh, the blessing of the rain and uh, help those with difficulties for the rain too and uh, bless us today in this moment in which we are going to talk about pioneers of our church, their beliefs and the transition in history and be with us in this presentation in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um, let me let me share with you that I'm a little bit concerned for for the for the yesterday situation, and I I I have to excuse or apologize for that. Let's let's put our our phones on on mute, um, at least for the for the presentation, if it's possible, and. Um, uh, because um, I am a little bit concerned about certain things that are, are happening. However, I'm going to continue with, um, with the presentation of the topic today with, with good spirit, I will say, even with um, um, detecting that sometimes in our auditorium there are some people with different views, you know? And I am a little bit concerned for that, and, and I am praying for, for that situation. Because we need to have, I guess, compassion, um, loving kindness, and, uh, and a good spirit in, in treating with the differences. However, there are some, some details that are becoming a little bit of concern for me in the way in which some people is behaving in this kind of uh, situation because some are bringing the situation to a confrontation and uh, even when you are trying to deal with the Bible on, on your hand or showing the Bible and telling with the Bible and uh, even with that there are no you know kind of understanding. Yesterday for example I've been, um, and I am, a, by, by the way, a slow reaction person. Yeah, you understand what is that? I am not reacting immediately, but <coughs> after that, I began to think, how in the world can be that way, you know? Yesterday in the afternoon, we were discussing um, about the, that, let's go to the Bible, Matthew 28, um, verses uh, 18 and 19, Matthew 28, uh, 18 and 19, and um, some, some people with um, or, and let me explain clearly this, or non-Trinitarian view or anti-Trinitarian view are attacking the Bible. Matthew, 18. Matthew 28, 28, verses 18 and 19. Um, you have it? Um, could you read it? Could you? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and um, when, you, when you are over there, the text is with no question about in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? 
Yesterday I mentioned, and I brought for that purpose, um, um, one Novum Testament Greek, and with, um, with what we call the critical apparatus, and, uh, and, and one of the persons here began to question about what kind of Greek was that. And at the beginning, you know, I was, I accept, I was confused yesterday for the question. But, um, but when you go to the, to the dynamic of the process, all the codexes, all the codex were numbered. All the papyrus and manuscripts were numbered. And when there is a variance or a change or, or in one uh, version says a different thing, you are going to find out immediately that it is in the notes. And in the notes says very clearly, um, there is in this version says um, um, uh, eternally, forever, or something with quote. And they say, in this says this, in this other says this, in P43 says this way, in P19 says this way. You, you are going to see the differences, okay? But when you go there, there is no differences. So then the question is, why you are going to attack the Bible to support your version? You understand what I'm saying? So that, that is something that for me I will say, hey, this is non-Christian. Whatever it is, that is, not, that is not a Christian attitude because the evidence I am bringing the evidence that I do have regarding that, and I am sharing these things because we need to grow up, you know. So what we are doing in the morning, and if you have any question regarding that, please do it. And, uh, and there is a, a paper, and uh, in the afternoon we are dealing with questions, okay? Yesterday in the morning we collected some questions. <coughs> and we are going to be dealing with, with that in the afternoon, Lira. Thank you. Um, you can write down the questions. Um, of course, in the morning, we are dealing with a history of the Seventh-day Adventist um, evolution of the doctrines. And we were yesterday dealing with this. In the 18th, especially between 1846 and 1888 or 18. 98, those range of times, the position of the church in general was a kind of or non-Trinitarian or anti-Trinitarian. My statement is clear regarding that. And, and yesterday we were, we were checking. Let me turn off this light. Uh, this the first. Yes. Thank you. And the... Uh, and the condition here is, is clear, but let me get back this, because Uray Smith, for example, he moved from a former position, um, and in 1981, Uray Smith, that used to be an editor of our, in those days, official paper. He wrote and changed the position of Jesus as begotten and not created. Um, somebody asked me about the question about begotten. Begotten 
means that was made, that is the involvement. And uh, for example, one of the things that it, it is, and this is my observation regarding this, because in the Catholicism, in the Catechism, and this is a quotation of the Catechism, and here is the product coming from Libreria Editrici Vaticana, that means the library or um, the bookstore of the Vatican. Um, and uh, by the way, this is the former pope that was working the catechism. And this is the quotation of the catechism, page 65. Since the Father has through generation given the only begotten Son everything that belongs to the Father, except being the Father, the Son has also eternally from the Father, from whom he is eternally born, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son. So technically, here, in summary, the Catholic Church teaches that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son and the Son from the Father. So sometimes when somebody are attacking our church or telling what we believe and based upon the name Trinity and say, hey, look, guys, you are in the same position like Catholicism. I will say, no, this is the position of Catholicism. Uh, I, I, am, I am not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, okay? But I am not going to say um, nothing similar to that because in the Bible, you are not going to find out that thing. And we need to be careful regarding, regarding that. The evidences regarding the, 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 um, the Godhead in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are, are very clear for me. And one of them, for example, let me share with you, because some people say, and, and yesterday I've been, I've been sharing with, uh, with you guys some things. So let me share with you something that is in, in the book of Isaiah. And um, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 48. Book of Isaiah, chapter 48, verses 12 through, um, through uh, 16. I'm sorry for bringing my kind of electronic Bible, you know. Sometimes I prefer, I prefer the paper Bible. <laughs> so believe me that I prefer, I prefer that. And uh, Olga is right about that, but she's kind also. I didn't want to bring mine today, unless it's getting as well. Well, that's a problem, sorry for that. Uh, we were giving thanks for the rain and also praying for those who <laughs> suffer it. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the truth. So let's go to. Prepared and my Bible's in the van, so let's see. I'm sorry for that. Okay, let's go to the Bible and let's um, let's read this. It is important. Isaiah 48, verses 12, 13, 14, 16, and through 16. The Bible says here, "Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am He." <clears throat> Now the speaker began to identify himself, okay? I am he. I am the first, and 
I also am the last. The first and the last. Okay? So when when the speaker is telling that is the first or the last, your mind normally is going to other places in the Bible, searching. Tuk 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 in several places. And comes immediately the book of Revelation. And uh, who is who is the speaker? The Lord. The Lord. It's very clear here. My hand also had laid the foundation of the earth. Now your mind again <coughs> is searching in the Bible. And goes from, from Genesis 1 to 3 to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, because that is what the Bible do. And and you are going to search because he is from the beginning and laid the foundation of the earth. And my right hand had spanned the heavens. Uh, when I call unto them, they stand up together, and ye assemble yourself, and hear which among them had declared the things. The Lord had loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his and his arm shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken, yea, I have called him, I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there I am. And now, the Bible says here, and now the Lord God and his Spirit has sent me. <coughs> I have everything under, underlined in that. That's good. So probably it is, you know, it is, it is not necessary to read from verses 12 through 16, because 16 is enough. Excuse me? And now the Lord God and His Spirit has sent me. So whose Spirit was that? The Lord God and the Spirit has sent me. The Lord and His Spirit has sent me. So for me, the three persons are here. Right. But verse 17 as well, it says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Well, ask them, who's your Redeemer? Jesus. Yeah. So when, when you go to the Bible, the, the evidence in the Bible... It's very clear. So when, when you go to the, and reach the New Testament, the New Testament is not, not giving you a new information. The New Testament is reinforcing information coming from, from the Old Testament. So. When it says his spirit, that means the spirit of the Lord, not the spirit, which would be separate. But he's separated to, to the Lord and says, send me. The Lord and his spirit send me. Okay. Coming back to the, to the topic regarding the pioneers of the church, uh, here is uh, the conviction of, 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 of some of them. Brother Frisbee's um, position is, was one of, the, of a person that is growing in, he was growing in the faith, you know. And, um, and Frisbee uh, also was one of those who denied the Trinity in, the, in that time, you know? And Uriah Smith, 
he wrote about Jesus being the first created. Remember something I, I mentioned before. He moved that position to all begotten, you know, and, um, and, um, and also it is important to remember that the, um, the pioneers came with a different background. And uh, different background means that uh, you convey, in certain sense, your, your personal beliefs into a new kind of faith sometimes. And, uh, and you are discovering. Uh, for me, let me share with you that the, in the chart, Seventh-day Adventist chart, the, um, the quarterly, Sabbath school quarterly, uh, is, a, is a school in which we are growing. And I've, been, and I've been seeing people growing in the faith and learning more and more. And in that pace of growing, you are changing sometimes in positions, I will say. And, um, and sometimes you learn, sometimes you are, you know, putting aside some things and you are learning more things and you are putting aside certain beliefs and growing in the faith. So that is part, in certain sense, of our experience in the, in the church, in, through the Sabbath school, uh, of course. So they were coming from the Christian Connection. Yesterday, um, we were mentioning that Christian Connection were non-Trinitarians. And uh, some of them, and, and sometimes I need to distinguish non-Trinitarians with anti-Trinitarians. Trinitarians or non-Trinitarians means that they are, I would say, peacefully in the church, but anti-Trinitarian are speaking against the Trinity. And non-Trinitarian sometimes are more quiet, uh, no, neutral, but um, didn't show the colors of them, and they are in that kind of position. Methodists uh, were Trinitarian, Presbyterians were Trinitarian, Baptists were Trinitarians, Episcopalians were Trinitarians. So, so some of the, um, that view of the pioneers were very complex in those days. So, um, and, and we need to remember something. The main topic in those days was not the Trinity. The essential topic was not the Trinity. The essential topic was not the person of Jesus. The essential topic was not the person of the Holy Ghost. So in those days, the main issue were prophecies, second coming of the Lord, and the, uh, the discovery, the big discovery, of course, of the Sabbath. So they were, you know, going into that direction and the umbrella was very wide and besides that fact, there were not articles of faith or fundamental beliefs. So in that kind of situation, that was the breed of that environment in, in among the pioneers. It is in Dallas uh, World Congress in 1980 that appears, according to my knowledge, the first version 
of the fundamental beliefs. And here are the things that are in the consideration of that that I put here in the, in the, in the screen here. Um, uh, the second topic, there is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Remember, the first one is the Holy Scriptures. And the unity of the three co-eternal persons, so on. The Son, God, eternal Son, forever, truly God. And the Holy Spirit is the fifth. So that is the moment in which the fundamental beliefs are reaffirming something coming from 1931. So it is about, what, 50 years of difference. And, uh, um, and that is settled. But um, the pioneers, by the way, were, were battling sometimes with articles of faith of, of other confessions. And when you read and you go to the, to the um, Adventist Review uh, at Andrews University in, uh, in, uh, in the basement of Andrews University, is a, is a place in which you are going to see the archives and, uh, and you read the former uh, Adventist Review, you are going to see some articles and several of them were based upon um, you know, articles of faith discussing uh, the articles of faith of other confessions. So um, in those days, there was not a kind of systematic theology study. Um, and um, was biblical. I mentioned that yesterday. Was more biblical than theological. And that is important to take in account regarding the pioneers and the methodology and the tendency that they um, used. They didn't compare, for example, that there were some things in them that were close to Catholicism, because also Catholicism was evolving. For me, by the way, a former Catholic, it was a surprise to see in the Catechism of the version 1990. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that kind of Catechism. You saw that? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a theology treaty, by the way. It's something like this. It's an encyclopedic catechism. When I, when I was a kid and, uh, and I went to, to the church, the catechism was a certain thing, 58 pages, no more than that, you know? And uh, of course, with the change of the commandments and so on, that for me was shocking. And, uh, and I learned that because in the catechism, in my, my time, mentioned that. And for me, it was shocking to see that the Catholic Church made the change of the commandments. And to see that in the catechism, and is today, until today, you can um, find the version, it's called the Catechism of Griezmann, and you are going to find out that the, the, the church changed the holiness of the Sabbath and put it on Sunday. And for me, it was a very, very big, big issue when I discovered that because, um, of course, it was a very big change. And, um, and, I, um, and I left the church in that moment, Catholic church. So the, the perception of some of them was regarding the word Trinity that was associated with Catholicism 
and Catholicism was associated with apostasy, for then that was something that they cannot accept in those days. So what made the change? Because, and, and I might be able to share with you all this uh, stuff, um, because these are, you know, articles of Revion Herald 1869 and, and several others, because until I mentioned, um, between 1846 and 1898, you are going to find out that kind of, of thing that was part of the anti-Trinitarian um, spirit. By the way, <coughs> sorry, this anti-Trinitarian spirit, we need to, we need to, um, to be very careful how we um, present our differences in church. Because um, even, even those who believe in the Trinity sometimes are not with a good spirit in defending what they believe. But, in, it, but church is not for fight. Church is not for fight, please. And if you, if you agree with the Jehovah Witnesses, it's better that you go with the Jehovah Witnesses. But if you, if you are a Seventh-day Adventist, it's better that you align with the 28 fundamental beliefs. And if you have any other concern, well, uh, you, but my perception is that some people in the church are trying to infiltrate the, the church and try to do something underneath and, and, and moving, you know, behind the scenes and distributing literature or giving, you know, creating a bad spirit in the back of the people. That is not good. That is not good. I'm not for that. We need to confront the things and speak about that in the Christian way, in with good spirit, but not doing that kind of thing. Spicers told Spalding uh, when he was writing um, the history, uh, one of the first version of the history of Seventh-day Adventist Church, that his father, after becoming Seventh-day Adventist, who he was a formerly a Seventh-day Baptist minister. Remember, the Baptist, uh, Seventh-day Baptists were very close in the, in the early stages of the church to, with, um, with the Seventh-day Adventists. And he grew, he says, so offended at the anti-Trinitarian atmosphere in Battle Creek that he sees preaching. And that, that, is, uh, that is, you know, the perception of, of some of, of them. So the point is that what made the change? So um, and, um, what were the reasons of the pioneers? for accepting that point of view. This is, I'm going to enter in this moment to give you a survey of 1846 through 1888 about, the, uh, about this topic. And you can get this on the internet too, if you want. Jerry Moon, uh, historian of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, wrote this section and um, basically, the reasons of the rejection of the Trinity 
is in a synthesis here. He says the first reason was they did not see a biblical evidence of, of four, three persons in one Godhead. They, that is one of the points that he mentioned. And this is not a new objection, of course. Um, uh, it is the simplest form. The concept of the Trinity is a result of affirming on the authority of the scriptures, both the oneness and the trinity of God. The second reason uh, is that the pioneers or the early Seventh-day Adventists um, gave for rejecting the Trinity was the misconception that it made regarding the Father and the Son as identical beings. That is the second, um, the second concept that is important. And here, Lockborough and Canwright and Whitney uh, were in the, in the same position regarding, regarding that. You know, um, the concept that the father and the son are identical, uh, it, it is very close or approximates to an, an ancient heresy called modalist. And by the way, in the book, I, I put some, some diversities of vision regarding the Trinity in the glossary. At the end of the book, you are going to find that. The, the third reason um, is um, an an objection also to the Trinity doctrine was based on the misconception that it teach the existence of three gods. Um, that means um, the Holy Spirit is is a God different, you know, from the other and, and the other. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each God, and it will be three gods. Wrote Lockborough in 1861. Um, by the way, he was not only president, but also a writer of the Adventist Review and Sabbath Herald in those days. I am talking about 1861. And um, the fourth reason was the belief in the Trinity will diminish the value of the atonement. And this was a strong theologically um, because they thought in that way that they say since the ever-living, self-existent God cannot die, then if Christ had self-existence as God, he couldn't have died on Calvary, uh, they reasoned. If only his humanity died, then his sacrifice was only a human one, inadequate for redemption. Um, this in order to protect the reality of his death, on the cross, the early Adventists felt they had to deny that Christ, in his pre-existent, possessed divine immortality. However, logical, um, uh, that reason may sound for, for some people, um, it is basic premises were uh, rejected by Ellen G. White in 1897 because she sustained that when Jesus died on the cross, deity did not die, humanity died. And, and here are all the quotations I am using here in, the, in, this, in this screen uh, picture. And uh, the fifth reason of the rejection 
of the uh, pioneers regarding the Trinity. The fact that Christ is called Son of God and the beginning of the creation of God. And uh, Revelation 3.14 was sought to prove that he must be of more recent origin than God the Father. By the way, the book that you are having, <coughs> sorry, there is a, an explanation about that. And there is another explanation coming after in the um, Hispanic version that comes after this, and also in the Italian version that is following both of them. And um, uh, regarding this topic, uh, Revelation 3.14. And probably today in the afternoon, I'm going to review that with those coming into, into the topic that is the beginning of creation of God. The, the topic for me, it, uh, it, is, um, it, it is curious that it's probably the first time I'm dealing with this inside the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, by the way, Ingo, because I used to be dealing with this, uh, talking with the Jehovah Witnesses. Because that is a very big argument um, coming from, from them regarding uh, that. And, and they base upon this text, telling that he is the first being created ever, and based upon the text of, of uh, Revelation 3.14. Um, my, um, my view is a little bit different today, and I'm going to share in the afternoon about this. Um, the sixth reason it was argued that of the rejection of the Trinity that there are various expressions concerning the Holy Spirit which will indicate that, and I'm sorry what I'm going to say, but that is the reason the um, sick there, it couldn't properly, because it's in quotations, be uh, properly uh, considered as a person such, oh sorry, as, as it's been shed abroad in their heart, Romans 5.5, 5, and powered uh, out upon all flesh. Uh, book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. So, um, of course, here is a brief note regarding the concept of person. The term person is applied to God, indicates a, a being with personality, intellect, and will. And like the multiple gods of polytheism, the three persons of the biblical Godhead are profoundly one in purpose, in mind, character, but not in person. And this is a quotation of Helen G. White. Um, so and there are three, three different entities. Yeah. Beings. They act as one. Yes. In they work together as yes. one. So what, what makes the change? And uh, that is the reason I am bringing to you I don't know if I, everybody uh, received the, the, the topic? Yes. This is an excellent study. You didn't receive? Sorry. Please, apologize. Apologize. I am, I am in depth about this material, uh, but uh, I am out of, oh, you didn't. Oh, sorry. Uh, what? No, 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 no. 
No, no, this, is ar this article is from 2006. It's in the internet, by the way. It is quote, by the way, Jesus, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you didn't open. You, you have one open, one book open, um, the, the God we worship. Uh, no. You know, for, for me, this. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I I put, but I learn, I learn that sometimes people do not do not check about you know the um, the quotations, the background. But in the um, in page one o eight of the book, in page one o eight, it is it is a quotation of Tim Poyter. And this is the version. OK? I, I consider that this presentation of Tim, it is a very, very good presentation. But when you reach that, please jump into this or into the version in the internet, and you are going to have it by yourself in your, in your home computer or something. Um, but that is. That is the quotation that I am referring. This is the paper, by the way. So if you put that, you are going to find out the, the thing. OK, let's go. And probably what we are going to do, if we have time, we are going to stop and read some of these things. The, the change comes, the change or the big change comes with the book of uh, Ellen G. White, Desire of the Ages. And I'm going to slow down here a little bit to enter into this presentation. Um, ladies, can I help you? Yes. I, I see some ecumenical movement here. We need, we need more copies for that. Sorry, sorry. I, uh, my wife says that sometimes I am a little bit, um, we say colo in Spanish, but uh, uh, saving things. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I reserve that with, with no intention, you know. Um, sorry for that. Um, everybody got the, the, the things? By the way, by the way, these things are available in your iPad version and Ellen G. White quotation regarding that. You don't have it? So what made the change? I was in that point, I guess. The publication of Ellen G. White, Desire of the Ages, in 1898 became a kind of, you know what is continental divide? When you cross from Nebraska to California, you have to cross off the continental divide, you know? It's the moment or the place in the geography of USA in which part the waters, some to California, some for the interior of USA. <coughs> for the under for for the understanding Adventists of the Trinity. And it's quite interesting, beginning with the first paragraph of the book, Ellen G. White called into question <coughs> the dominant view of the early Adventists regarding the relationship of Christ to the Father. Um, let me let me stop here for a moment. Remember she is writing because today we, we go to the ABC, we, we, we get the desire of the ages, and sometimes we are with 
without the context in which that book is coming out of press. But remember that that book that she was writing was fresh, coming from the press in which the, the same probably printing um, machines were printing out the Uriah Smith writings that were telling something different from what Ellen G. White was going to tell. So that is, that is the important observation here to take in account because that is a big, big change that is going to affect the, the charge regarding this topic. So um, her third sentence in chapter one uh, declared, from the days of eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ was one with the Father. So that was a very important note regarding the topic of Ellen G. White in the book, The Sire of the Ages. So that was making a, a very important. However, you know, however, there are people uh, non-Trinitarians or anti-Trinitarians that can make that quotation also. However, when, when you go ahead, uh, this was not sufficiently in a, in a key vocal to clarify the position regarding the deity of Jesus. For as we can have seen, others have used similar language without believing in Christ's indefinitely eternal preexistence. But later, she says in the, um, in, in, um, I'm, I'm going to give the quotation in a moment, in the, in the resurrection of Lazarus, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm following them with a seven word comment that will begin to turn the tide of anti-Trinitarian theology among the Adventists she says, in the desire of the ages, in Christ is life, original, first word, unborrowed, underived. Desire of the ages, page 530. That is a powerful quotation. In Christ is life. Do, do you receive everything? In, in Christ, okay, um, uh, probably what we are going to do is to get some of this um, for the afternoon because I, I guess I made an enough, you know, copies, but um, it, was, it was not. My mistake, sorry. Um, in Christ is life, original, unborrowed, underived. That, that three words of the seven of the seventh, because the first four are in Christ is life. But after that, original, unborrowed, underived, um, were shocking. By the way, um, we have also a very good translation into Spanish of the desire of the ages. Um, it was um, translated by a Chilean background person, by the way, and the version in Spanish is very good. And this is a very neat translation inequivocal in the meaning of, of that. And, um, but every single word were analyzed 
unchecked upon because original and borrowed and derived is, you know, reinforcing one concept. So that is, that is a critica. Let me share with you some of the, of, the, of the reactions regarding that. Here is one of them. Uh, these statements came as a shock to the theological leadership of the church. Andreasen, who had become an Adventist just for four years earlier at the age of 18 and who would eventually teach at the church North American Seminary, claimed that the new concept was so different from the previous understanding that some prominent leaders doubted whether Ellen G. White had really written it. After Andreasen entered the ministry in 1902, he made a special trip to Ellen G. White, California home, to investigate the issue for himself. Uh, Ellen G. White welcomed him and gave him access to the manuscripts. And uh, he had brought with him a number of quotations of Ellen G. White books, for, of course. Uh, to see if they were in the original, in her own handwriting. And he recalled, I was sure Ellen, or Sister White, had never written those things in the books. In Christ is life, original, and borrow, and derive. But now I found it in her own handwriting, just as it had been published. It was so with other statements, as I check up, I found that they were Sister White's own expressions. So the version that I am sharing with you today, I, um, the, this one, this one, this one, this, this version. Uh, I, I don't know, it is, it is a little bit expensive sometimes to bring in in color, you know, but I, I made it in color. Why? Because, because you have here, for example, the notes, the notes, and you are going to see her letter writing regarding this. And that is the rationale of Tim Poirier doing that, because this is the kind of manuscript in which he made the presentation for the Adventist Theological Society in 2006 when he did the presentation, and Tim is a very detailed person regarding this. And this is very useful because um, some people sometimes are, are, are saying, well, some of these quotations can be doctored by somebody else in order to fix something of, uh, and, and say that uh, it was made by Ellen Chihuahua or something like that. Uh, and here is the proof. So you are going to see those quotations um, regarding, regarding that. And this is basically of the testimonies of, to the church. And this is the basis of the quotations you are going to find out regarding the Ellen G. White version of the Trinity that appears in the book Evangelism, by the way. So that is important. To, to have um, in order to, to do a search, a review, 
and um, in order to find out some answers to this uh, to this topic. So that is the, I will say, the big change. Why? Because after that, uh, things began to change, and there was one um, big change in the in the view of of the of the of the charge regarding this topic. So, um, in the in the charge, what we can see is an evolving understanding of certain topics. Um, we were reviewing in the past day changes under of the understanding of the Sabbath, for example, um, changes regarding the view of the Sabbath observance, changes regarding stewardship, changes um, regarding food and, um, and style of life, and so on. So in the time of the pioneers, there was a kind of changing situations that is very clear, evangelists, understanding, and so on. The methods of Kanright um, are today are not applicable any longer. You, you know how Kanright was doing evangelists in those days? Yeah, I, I don't know if you, I, when, when I was in South America, I, I, sometimes I was tempted to do something like that because in those days I was dealing with Mormon, Jehovah Witnesses, and so on. And, um, and Kanright do or did something in those days that was uh, that was critical. Sometimes something will say uh, crazy. He stops in front one church Sunday morning when the church was full packet of members inside, and when they come out, they were reading across the street in the other side um, an advertising saying. Dudley Marvin Kahn, D.M. Conrad, challenge the pastor of your church to discuss what is the day of rest based upon the Bible. And you know, you, the people were coming out through the church and watched the advertisement and said, what, what, is, what, is, what is that, you know? And, and some people do say, I'm going to invite to come. That was the end of that congregation. From that moment on, the congregation was divided. And some became Seventh-day Adventists, and the other continued with the former pastor, maybe in other place. Uh, um, I, please, don't say Royce or, or Shay that I'm recommending this. <coughs> please understand that is, that is not, you know, but that was the methodology of some of the guys in those days. And, um, but there's an evolving view regarding the ministry and the views. Miller accepted and believed on the second coming, not the Sabbath. Miller accepted the prophetical periods, and he was a Trinitarian, uh, William Miller, I mean. And his associate was anti-Trinitarian, Joshua Himes. Remember, remember that. So there, there, there is a kind of, of changes in the church. The condi conditionalism and the state of death was not uniform uh, among the pioneers. The meaning of 1844 
and the um, 2,300 years in the prophecy was also evolving in those days. So days, a day of rest from Sunday to Sabbath and from, from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the observance to even to even was also in the transition. The great controversy that today is one of the fundamental beliefs was not clearly sound in the view of them yet. Um, because remember something, yesterday I mentioned that we called them pioneers, but they didn't call themselves pioneers because they didn't know that they were the pioneers. So there is a kind of evolving process in, in that time of the Seventh-day Adventist church in those days. It is curious, but historically speaking, the Sabbath was accepted also before the law. And uh, Wagoner in 1888 uh, and, uh, began to present certain things, and, and there were some tensions. So the name of the doctrine of the Trinity was a problem, and of course, that was all part of the entire vision. So we need to understand, and, um, and, um, and, and Dr. Sherry Moon uh, says that we are in, this, in, in the church frame of history, uh, a kind of evolving in the Godhead. One is that between 1846-1888, there is an anti-Trinitarian dominance. It's very clear. You go to the, to the Adventist Review, books, and so on, and you are going to find out that vision, okay? But between 1888, when begins the movement of justification by faith, through um, 1898, there is a beginning of dissatisfaction with the anti-Trinitarianism. And in between 1898, 1915, there is a change, a paradigm shift, very clear in history. And there is a decline of anti-Trinitarianism from 1915 through 1946, even, even when, when the person who died, that was big, big um, enforcer of a change, that was Ellen G. White. So, and the uh, uh, Trinitarian dominance from um, uh, 1946. I will change this to the present. To the present. Because uh, I will say that with the appearance of the internet, there is a kind of uh, renewal change regarding the Trinity and the anti Trinitarian topic nowadays. I have to as accept that because this is not um, uh, something that is affecting us only here in Michigan because, um, by the way, I'm not going to be here on, on, on the weekend because I'm, I'm going to go to Mexico. And one of the topics they asked me to deal with is this topic in Spanish. So I'm going to do that because there are some kind of breed of version, uh, international version about that. And that is something 
that is affecting the charge. And I think that is um, part of transparency to accept the, the situation in which we are dealing regarding this. And, um, and of course, the situation I mentioned of the internet and independent movement together are renewing a challenge regarding this. That's right, but it, it, it is nothing new. It has been brewing <coughs> for a long time. Ever since I came <coughs> I remember um, that I couldn't understand the same way that many people that have been sitting in the pews for years understood the Trinity. In fact, I had even printed things from Ellen White's uh, writings uh, supporting the, 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 the way we ought to accept the Trinity. In the book of Evangelism, she also has a passage which gives us a clear idea. But this has been not detected that many people that knew was probably three times better Bible than I did never understood what it was all about. Yeah. And so it, now it comes as a force of yeah. a different kind and then it goes into different dimensions. That's Thank you, Olga. Thank you. Um, let me share with you that um, we need to pray for the church. Mm -hmm. we, we need to pray for our churches. Mm -hmm. And we need to pray for our families because this is bringing confusion. This is bringing sometimes um, processes in which administrations has to do something that uh, is not good for the church. Mm -hmm. And sometimes intervening and, and processing things in some ways that um, are bringing division and uh, and putting aside some some members but we need to we need to become more transparent regarding this my perception is that um, with a with this situation what we need not to is to make slow something that we were doing very good and that is the mission of the church. Mm -hmm. Because in this moment, what I am perceiving is those frictions, internal frictions, are uh, bringing slowness into the process of growing the ministry of, of the church. When, uh, when we go to the plain <coughs> vision of the scriptures, and my, my rationale for writing the book, even if you judge good or bad, it's up to you. But I, I made it with uh, you know, good intentions and good plain heart. My intention is to share what I see in the Bible, what the Bible says, not what theologians says. I'm not asking the theologians about what is your thinking about this or that. I am sharing with you what is my personal reaction based upon reading the Bible and sharing with you uh, in that what is in the Bible? And that is my conviction. And uh, a theologian. Hmm? Well, don't you consider yourself a theologian? I'm not. I am You're not. I'm not, not. Jesus. Aren't you a professor? Aren't you studied? 
You're a theologian. Well, this is not my voice. I didn't, I didn't pay her to come today. She's a good friend, but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, but let's pray for the church and um, and when when we dismiss today, let's uh, let's have a word of prayer. Ingo, could you could you dismiss us with a word of prayer? and taking in account um, this. And thank you for being with us and being supportive of that. Let's pray together. And uh, today in the afternoon, we are going to continue with questions and answers. Thank you. Our Father, we come to you with <coughs> humility, talking about you and your Son and your Holy Spirit. We want to take off our shoes. Amen. And approach this with the utmost respect and fear and trembling. We want to pray for wisdom, for healing in the churches, and most of all for the truth to prevail. Help us understand the Bible. Take away bias, human thinking, and enlighten us with your spirit, not with anything else. We want to pray for our church members, uh, again for the Adventist Church as a movement, that we can find unity, harmony, and uh, the boldness and avenue to proclaim the truth until the end. Yes. Prepare our own hearts. We want to repent and humbly approach you and grant your blessing to especially this camp meeting that people will drive away. Sunday, converted, changed, better prepared for your second coming. We need your help and we trust you looking up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org